Well, welcome back and top of the day to you. Just a glimpse of his glory. And Jesus will not only enwrap you, but he will enthrall you. Yes, it's Super Tuesday. And you're in the company of Salome Jacobs and Into the Garden. Well, Super Tuesday. Simply because you have awoken to a brand new day. So feel relaxed, feel blissful, feel that you have accomplished what you thought you could not do, but did it anyway. So join me in the very sublime of the garden, in that ethereal presence, that omnipotent presence. So let's get together in the heart and soul of the garden to discover what God has in store for you and for me with so much more and as you know on my Facebook page it says welcome enter with a happy heart may all who enter as guests leave as a friend so today in that ever-present setting with a blend of aromatic flavors to your heart's content joining me today is With love from the UK, yes. Nuggets in your day. So, Soul Sister Prayer Warrior, make haste and join me today on Super Tuesday. Well, the lineup today. Well, normally on a Tuesday would be coffee time with Carol Schultz, but today I have nuggets in your day filling that spot until the next time you and I hear from Carol Schultz. So, nuggets in your day and it's taken out of Acts chapter 8 from verse 30 to 31 and it says Philip and the man from Ethiopia then I will have purpose because it's laid upon my heart purpose driven and what you and I can understand and try and do to fulfill a purpose so I'll be touching on a series of purpose and what you and I can do to find ourselves and ask certain questions. So I'll be touching on fuel your purpose as I did Sunday purpose with purpose. So stay tuned, stay connected for nuggets in your day. Well, welcome to another edition of Nuggets in Your Day. Not only do you and I receive nuggets, but we receive golden nuggets isn't it so 
With love from the UK blesses you today with Acts chapter 8 reading from verse 30 to 31. And the book of Acts is also action, isn't it? And this is the story of Philip and the man from Ethiopia. And that scripture reads as follows. Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Before you and I read the word, we ask for clarity, we ask for wisdom, we ask for understanding. We pray about it before we read. Because you and I, we need to understand the scriptures. And she goes on to say, just as the Ethiopian man needed help to understand the scriptures, many people today, in addition to reading the Bible on their own, have found it helpful to discuss the Bible with others. So perhaps, you know, when you read, you phone your friend and you share with one or two or maybe three. And when you share, things start happening. You learn from one another, isn't it? And you put your faith into action. Because it goes on to say, as I found this from Dr. Kim Baker, do you understand what you are reading? Of which Philip explains this in the book of Acts from verse 32-35 Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth in his humiliation justice was denied him who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth For the book that you and I read, the Bible, teaches you and me so many things. It guides us along our way. A 
it opens up, it reveals to you a maze. Prophecies, hidden things. And when you and I share, we grow. So I'd like to say, let's continue as we read God opens up the word to you and me. Let's not lean on, on our own understanding, but ask God to reveal to you so you and I can share the gospel with others and be changed, rearranged and renewed. Nuggets in your day with love from the UK. is fuel your purpose I guess I'm taking you on a journey of purpose and how I found mine now one or two pages doesn't cut it I know but I will try to make time for after many years of soul searching and something so significant, so minute, so right in your face that you miss it because of insensibility and thinking you're cute can cost you a lifetime of going to and fro thinking you got it made. But oh no. For how do you listen to folks and not to the many voices that deter you of course? You might have gained some perspective sooner than later, but take this as a point well taken of course you say in life most of the time you have to pick yourself up not once or twice and to the many who knows maybe thrice not a nice thing to say is it but time and time again you have had to pick yourself up dust the dust of your shoes and mosey on along your way isn't it for the book of life is full of ups and downs and no manual teaches neither prepares you for the pros, the cons, the straight, the narrow, the facts of life, the knocks we get from life, the treachery in life, the I told you so in life. You see, the very moment you step out of your parents' home, you realise that the world is not so kind that you have to experience this life not on your terms but on God's terms as his kind. Sometimes it's because we lack skills or talent, other times it's the timing or situation. Like my late mom and dad would remind me time and time again, be patient, be kind, for life can beat you treat you unkind and if you move in packs be aware that within your pack are wolves that will eat you alive 
and say you belong to their tribe. Well, back then they knew what they were talking about, but you, no way, for all you had on your mind was making it big someday. Cool friends, money in your account, and well, no place for God, knowing full well that your parents got you covered so no harm would befall you. But then again, they could tell, for they were accountable, and you, guess what, not purposeful, and living your life through stained lenses. And oh so free, not thinking of God, and he was displeased. Well, this is a short series of being purposeful. First, I discuss purpose with purpose, a little snippet, and today, fuel your purpose. Where God will teach you and me what you and I can do To fulfill your dreams, your goals, with him being purposeful, you see. It's, it's okay to care what people think about you. It is not okay to be controlled by what people think about you. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus has just finished giving his disciples two consecutive lessons on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was not a new concept, but Jesus was the first one who called it that. In Matthew's gospel, you'll see the phrase, the kingdom of the heavens, because the Jewish audience that Matthew was writing to would be offended if he used the name of God, it was not to be spoken. So he referenced it in a more abstract way, the kingdom of the heavens. You'll see it in other gospels, the kingdom of God. It was preached about over 100 times through the mouth of Jesus, but he didn't just preach about it. He demonstrated it. Everywhere he went, he taught the kingdom of God, not so much that they could learn it by principle, but so that they could observe it by demonstration. How many know a good sermon is one you can see and hear? And Jesus did just that. He would teach it, and then he would do it. He would talk about it, and then he would transformatively heal or bless or forgive. And he was demonstrating everywhere he went this kingdom of God. It was not the kingdom that his disciples expected. It was not a kingdom that delivered them from Roman oppression. That's what they wanted. That's what they prayed for. 
And you could make the case that for the 12 disciples that he chose, they signed up to see his kingdom come. They signed up that they could witness his kingdom, but when they saw it, they almost missed it because they were looking for something so different than what he came to bring that it was right in front of them, but they were looking past it to something in the future that Jesus did not even intend to bring, which was political deliverance, which was an economic deliverance, which was a military reign or rule, but Jesus came to preach the kingdom of God. This particular instance in the ministry of Jesus did not happen at the beginning, but it was just before his ministry would start to come to a close on earth. And the Bible says that this mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. I think the most profound question is the one that Jesus asked next. And the question sounds simple on the surface, but let's take a moment and think about it as a new year begins. Jesus asked this mother, What is it you want? What is it you want? We all have a list, but usually in church we are taught to downplay our desires and to pray prayers that we don't really mean because they sound good, but they're plastic. What I admire about this mother in the passage is that she got honest with Jesus and said, I want my boys to have VIP seating in your kingdom. Don't you love somebody who will be honest about what they want? Don't you ever have people who call you on the phone and you just want to tell them, cut the crap and tell me what you want? I know you're not calling to check on me. You never do. Do you need $20? I'll cash up you just to get off this phone right now. What do you want? Or even with my kids, you know, I love being a dad, but when they're being too nice, there's something behind it. How was your day, Dad? Okay, you can have more video game time. Blah, 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 blah. What do you want? Let's just get to it. But Jesus is asking the question not on the level of inconvenience, like, what do you want? Because everything the woman is doing, this, this mother of Zebedee's sons, is on the surface exactly what you should do. Let's, let's look at it real quick. She comes to Jesus. That's what you're supposed to do, I think. I don't know where else to go. How many have something in your life that people can't do for you and only God can do for you, and the only way you're going to get it is God gives it to you when you come to him? That's why I came to church to get something from God. I didn't come here to hear the same thing I hear on the news that the world is falling apart. I came for a gospel message that there's something greater than who sits in an office, that there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and we got access. I'm sorry. I'm trying to pace myself. So she came to Jesus. She came to the right person. She knelt before him. She had the right posture. She brought her sons. She had the right priorities. What parent doesn't want their kids to go to the best school? But this takes helicopter mom to a whole new level because these boys are 30 years old. Still setting up play dates and they got a beard. And, uh, and these disciples, these are not just any disciples. I want to show you something. Can I show you something? 
I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Mark chapter 3, the Bible gives an indication of who Jesus chose when he came to set up his kingdom. Notice this. The kingdom of God had already been established, but it had never been reflected in human form. And so when Jesus got ready to show what the kingdom of God looked like, he could have come looking like Thor. He could have come looking like Dwayne Johnson. He could have come with biceps, but he came as a baby. That's fascinating to me to know that when he wanted to show us the kingdom, he started with the ultimate emblem of weakness. He did not start with deliverance. He started with diapers because everything God brings into your life will come in a small form. It will seem insignificant in the beginning stages. That's why you can't despise the day of small beginnings. You got to celebrate some baby steps this year. You got to realize God is working in my life. Even if people don't see it to celebrate it, people don't know to celebrate what they can't see. So celebrate yourself for a moment that you came to church on this weekend to get a word from God. I said celebrate yourself that you came to church this weekend. I need you to know that Jesus picks people who have problems. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Look at this passage in Mark 3. And I still haven't gotten over this. So if I read it slow, it's to keep from getting choked up. Because I am someone who struggles a lot of times with believing that God chose me. And when I read this about how Jesus was calling his disciples to establish his kingdom, he didn't go to a seminary. He went to the sea, found four fishermen, the first four, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And it says it in Mark chapter 3 in such a beautiful way that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. and He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority, to drive out demons. I said to have authority, not just to get attention. We live in a time where people don't know the difference between attention and authority. Can I preach like I'm 65? It's embarrassing to me that we have created a generational perspective that doesn't know the difference between greatness and fame. And now it's coming up in a time, and if you don't believe me, grab somebody that looks like they're younger than you and ask them, would you rather be rich or famous? Don't even put God in the question. Save that for later. Would you rather have money or followers? And if they really get honest about what they want, they will tell you it is a culturally pervasive issue of our day, and it's the devil, and it's short-sighted, and I came to preach about it, and I'm not salty, but I am serious. Everybody famous isn't great. 
Y'all ready? Everybody great ain't famous. So somebody on your row might be great and you don't even know their name. I came to preach about kingdom clout. I have a name that's registered in heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I might not have a blue check, but he shed his red blood for me and I'm his. But I'm getting ahead of myself. This is a five-week series and I got to go slow. It said he chose them to be with him and to preach. He chose them to be with him and to preach. When we meet somebody, we identify them by what they do. Hey, I'm Jerry. I'm Stephen. What do you do? He called them, notice the order, to be with him and to preach so that what they do would flow out of who they were. But when you define who you are by what you do, it's shaky ground. So before he called them to do it, he called them to be it. And real kingdom authority comes from knowing who you are, whose you are, and not allowing this crazy world to define you by what you do, what you have, what you wear. So let me tell you something I didn't tell him last night. There was a preacher that was talking to me the other day about my shoes. He didn't ask me anything about a sermon, exegesis, insight from the text, or the Holy Ghost. He wanted to know about sneakers. How about these? How about those? I said, man, I don't know. Most of the stuff I wear, somebody gave to me. I don't even know what it's called. And now half of it's in Elijah's closet because he's my size, and I don't even get to wear it before he steals it. And it bothered me because when we started the church, Holly would go buy me a um, button-down uh, shirt because I had a superstition. Every weekend I wanted to wear something new, but we didn't have any money. So she would find a $2.99 clearance at Dillard's, but I was proud of it. Because when I would put it on and I'd give myself a haircut and I didn't know how to fade my hair, I only had one guard on the thing. I didn't know how to fade. I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know how to do anything. But I was called, anointed, appointed, passionate, fired up, charged up. I, I was, I was, I was, I was set apart. And what I wanted you to know, I was so proud of those three dollar shirts from Dillard's. I was anointed in those $3 shirts from Dillard's. See, when you really got something from God, it is not about externals. The external is fine, but it is the Spirit of God that makes you great. It is not an income level. It is not a number of followers. It is not clicks and comments and all this crap that the world calls clout. When you have a father who is in heaven, who knows your name, who chose you, who called you, you can do what you got to do because it's in you. And he called to him those he wanted. Did you see that? 
He called those he wanted. He called those he wanted because God has options. There's a difference between having clout and being chosen. Clout, people can give it. They can take it away. Hosanna! Hosanna! Crucify him! Within a 72-hour period, they will change their mind. Oh, God, they'll change their mind. But when you're called and chosen, he called… Look at verse 13. Those he wanted. What does it feel like to be wanted? Like that. See how happy you get? See, God has options. Sometimes you don't. Be honest. Sometimes you hang out with people because they were the only one available. Sometimes you hire somebody because they were the best available candidate. You make it work. God looks for exactly what he wants, and I don't mean to get biological, but he fertilizes the right egg at the right moment. Do you realize the percentage chance of you being born when you were born to do what you do, and you're going to walk around in self-doubt trying to figure out if God chose you? You ought to know God chose you. You ought to believe God chose you, and you ought to go through your life with your head held high, no matter what is in your bank account, because I'm chosen. Where's Eric? I know he had to sit in the back today because something, yeah. He used to always tell them because they would make fun of him for being adopted when we were in high school. And he'd say, My parents picked me, yours got stuck. That shut him up real quick, too. My father picked me. He wanted you in the earth right now. And he wanted you short or he wanted you tall. Or he, he wanted you to have experienced this set of circumstances or the other. And he got what he wanted. And he called what he wanted. He called what he wanted. Hey, thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video or live stream. And share this video with a friend. And don't forget, you can join me live every Sunday. Thanks again for watching. of today's segment, an edition on Into the Garden. I'd like to say thank you to With Love from the UK and Nuggets in Your Day. But thank you to you for choosing the podcast to listen to where it teaches and encourages, resonates and reminds you that you are loved. Flawed and all, but God has a new, unique way of connecting you in sharing the word. Thank you for sharing the podcast to friends and neighbours, work colleagues, within your various networks and social platforms. And you are most welcome to use this as a tool 
and if there's anyone celebrating a birthday today, happy birthday to you, perhaps an anniversary. Happy anniversary to you too and may God continue to knit you together like only he can do. And who knows, news of any kind, well, to you, congratulations. But a huge thank you to With Love from the UK. Then, of course, as you know, the book is out. You don't know the cost of my alabaster box, as well as Prophet Keith and Ryan's Cave of Obscurity, hidden to be revealed. Yes, both wonderful gifts, full of prophetic insights and golden nuggets. You are most welcome to purchase these books from Unlimited Ministries Archery from the admin at only 200 rand. So from me, Salome Jacobs, the author of You Don't Know, The Cost of My Alabaster Box, and the mom with many hats signing off. So until next time, until we meet again, you know where to find me, but in the very heart of the garden. And next time, it will be with Carol Schultz. So, goodbye, thank you, shishine, grazie, hamseyao, sayonara, desvidinia, adios, dovidinia, au revoir, farewell, goodigole, adia, maya salamati, givaski, lagon, tajian, salamatingal, avidesign, arrivederci, anion, spasiba, havet. Remember, there's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And this is by Corey Ten Boom. Until next time, do take care. Have an awesome week.